Regular, regular, regular features. Regular, regular, regular features. Regular, regular, regular features. Regular features of Sean. Hello, I'm 7Lock7, the robot who lives alone in the regular features jingle station, orbiting high above the planet Earth in the swirling nebula of fun. My only job up here is to monitor the episode for those moments when a feature comes to an end, and a jingle is required to properly segregate the features and maintain their purity. I, I could have made that sound a little less fascist, but in all honesty, I am a robot, and your petty human politics are beneath me. Literally, in fact, because I am in the sky. Above you. Beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. I guess I'm a little bit like Seven Zark Seven, the camp robot from Battle of the Planets that wasn't in the original Japanese version, but was introduced because they'd cut out all the graphic violence, profanity, nudity, and transgenderism. So if Steve starts fucking a tanger egg or anything like that, we'll cut back to me in the space station, and I'll say, "Oh boy, oh boy, I'm so glad that feature concluded with zero eggs fucked." Boop, 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 beep. Anyway, it's time to see what my boys are doing, and I'm getting increasingly camp as I do this. Seven Zark Seven was a very camp robot. And it's time to join our guys down on the planet and see, see what they're up to. Hey, boys! Hello and welcome to the Regular Features Podcast, a comedy podcast that's the same every single week. And it's been the same every week for approximately seven years. I'm Matt Lees. This is Joseph Scrabbles. Hello, welcome to you. And on the main mic, the main man, it's Stephen Stephen Hogarty. Why's he got the main mic? It's twice as big as mine. I know, but yeah. you've got to treat him. But I've got to hold it like a bucket of popcorn. <laughs> two arms. <laughs> two arms, yeah, with my dick sticking up. Yeah, you stuck your dick right down the bottom. Viciously on your lap, and you yeah. keep saying, hey, who wants to touch the microphone? I don't want to go and see a film with this guy again. It's got what? a spongy, bulbous end Matt, that deadens sounds. <laughs> You're fucking kidding me. They've got their dicks out already. Um, anyway, I'm so glad that section ended with Joe, without Joe, lunging into the bucket of popcorn and spraying Matt in the face with a gush of magnolia dick squirts. And they quickly got around to introducing their features, as is the format for the regular features podcast. Beep, beep, boop. Tonight on the podcast, I am going to be taking us back to ye olden times with the story of uh, Jesus, Judas, and the Big Big Egg. Mm -hmm. Joseph, what are you going to be doing? I'm going to be analysing the output of the British Broadcasting Corporation website. Mm, and Stephen? I'm visiting the the reality of Peaky Blinders. <sighs> That little universe that's created uh, uh, that I know nothing about. Sure. I'm going to have a go. I'm going to have a go but at describing worn, a character. You've worn a hat. I, yeah. think, I think we call it the PBU now, the uh, <laughs> Peaky Blinders the universe. P Peaky Blinders extended universe. Yeah, yeah PBEU. That's PBEU. for the sort of semi-fan There are lots more hats in the extended universe, as far as I know. Mm. And a few more waistcoats, but not that many more. Also, as a special treat, we may have a surprise appearance uh, from Log. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Log couldn't make it, but he did ask me to report live on the proceedings from the space station in the, in the nebula of fun on the jingle planet or wherever the fuck I am. Beep, 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 boop. So, as I understand it, it's time for the first of the three regular features in tonight's show. So that means it's time to me to fulfill my primary purpose, which is to do a little jingle for ya. Okay, let's just go over here to the jingle compendium place and I'll just play this. <laughs> 
Go no, that's not right. I made a boo-boo. Let me try again. One one second. Regular features. There, that's better. We've just had Easter. Um, I don't know if you have, but I have. I've mm. just had an Easter. And Easter, of course, is a time where we all get together with our families and eat chocolate eggs and talk about what we feel about rabbits. Mm. And resent the Jews for killing our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Boo, Jews. But no more than resentment. I don't know about that, Steve, actually. There's been enough Jew resentment in the, the West. I've been listening to some of this Ken Livingston, uh, his some of his diatribes. And let me tell you, have you heard about this Soros guy? <laughs> Wow, he's got his fingers in all sorts of pies. Look it up. Google Soros <laughs> Jew conspiracy. And um, just have a quick, just keep an open mind is all I'm saying. I'm not an anti-Semitic. I just think there's a globalist conspiracy. I just think you And they it. killed Jesus Christ <laughs> for a start. That's undeniable. And they That's, admit that. They admit doing this that. This is some really top shelf satire. I'm enjoying it. We need top to, shelf satire. <laughs> we need to point out to people, it is satire because an alarming number of apparently intelligent people actually believe this stuff these days. Steve's so. had his fingers crossed the whole time. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Which is yeah. the podcast sign for, I'm joking. It's true. Oh, yeah, because... Because far-right anti-Semites do use irony as a vehicle to promote their own hateful views. They do, to yeah. push the, the center point to the to the to them. Absolutely. The fox. Yeah, but do Google it. Go don't. <laughs> Stay off Google for the entirety of this podcast and don't listen to Steve and his awful shite. Make it trend. Make it trend. <laughs> and vote Labour. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know where, where the good side is anymore. <laughs> this is the whole problem with the news. I went to America for a week and I came back and everything was fucked. There was murals. There was, it's awful. Mm. Just let's go back to everything being nice again, can we? And on that note, I want to talk about the, the origin of Easter because people have forgotten the actual story of Easter. There was some stuff about it in the Bible, admittedly, um, but, of course, the real story goes back a little bit further than that because I don't want to be as conspiracy hat as Stephen here, but who wrote the Bible, huh? Who wrote the Bible? History is written by... God. The victor God. Uh, yes, God. He always wins, therefore, the victor is always God. Or Meldrew. Victor Meldrew. <laughs> <laughs> History is written by Victor Meltry. <laughs> the constant sense of incredulity. <laughs> I don't. You won't believe what happened then. It's, it's like the BuzzFeed of Bibles. <laughs> you won't believe what Jesus did. I mean, honestly, you, you won't believe. Do. A lot of the stuff in the Bible, you won't believe. If you read it now, it's not terribly tenuous. Mm. It's, it's that, No, it's terribly yeah, tenuous. <laughs> My brain's really not functioning today, but let's see how we go. Anyway, today I'd like to tell you a classic vanilla early days pre-Bible story about Easter. Mm. And this story is called Judas, Jesus, and the Big, Big Egg. Once upon a time, there was a Bethlehem. And in that Bethlehem lived a very small Jesus who, more than anything in the whole wide world wanted an egg to call his own. Oh, I wish I had a big, big egg, but eggs aren't allowed in this Bethlehem. And besides, who would help me carry the egg? Eggs are notoriously heavy and large, and I, as a borrower, am only 12 centimetres tall. 
The other Jesuses poked and teased Jesus for being slightly smaller than the average Jesus, and his obsession with eggs and the concept of crucifixion left him being ridiculed by the older Jesus boys. Everybody calls me Jesus crap, and they put pebbles in my jelly shoes. Last week they set fire to a big bush and then pretended that bushes could talk as part of an elaborate tablet-based ruse. But I've had enough of this stupid little town, and I've got a plan to find a real egg. Strapping two fireworks to his tiny Jesus legs, Jesus carefully stroked the bulbous red end of the human-sized matchstick along a strip of sandpaper. Sparking to life with phosphorant glare, the tiny Jesus was taken aback by the sudden burst of heat. Fuck! Carefully lighting each fuse into action, he tossed the match aside and steeled himself for a brave ascent. Today he was naught but a tiny Jesus. Tomorrow he would be Space Jesus, Lord of the Stars. With a fizzle and a crack, the world turned white. A roar, searing pain, and then a slip into the black. Oi! Wake up! Wake up, you frazzled runt! What, what, what is this? Where am I? Is this the moon? Are you a Jesus? Yes, you're on the moon. You've been asleep for a few days. You really badly burned your legs. What's a Jesus? Is that your name? Yes, it's my name. I'm, I'm Jesus, the tiny Jesus, and I've come to the moon to find a real egg. Nice to meet you, Jesus. My name is Judas. I'm in charge of all the eggs that live on the moon. So it seems like you've come to the right person. Oh, fantastic. Well, let's go at once. I must have an egg. Jesus and Judas trundled along the dusty path to the cavern where the eggs of the moon were kept, bringing a posse of Judases along for the journey. Much like the Bethlehem in which he had grown, each Judas was approximately six inches tall and seemed to show a special interest in tiny, tiny Jesus. Where I'm from, we hardly have any eggs and none of the other Jesuses will help me carry one. I expect that's because you're so very small and weak. Well, yes, but none of them have been to the moon. What I lack in brawn and stature, I make up for with ingenuity and wit. And they'll see that for themselves when I return with a box. No, a whole harem of eggs. Well, to carry home that many eggs, you'd need some sort of... Uh... Oh, I have just the idea. Deep within this cave, we do have a giant egg ship that you could use to fly home with all the eggs that you please. But it is very cold down there. Perhaps you should just take a smaller egg? Absolutely not. One tiny egg will simply not do. I must have a big, big egg. Only the largest egg on the moon will be enough to see me through. Very well, said Judas, leading deeper through the cave as the light behind faded away and the warmth of the moon's surface disappeared behind them. Jesus, look, these eggs appear fine. It is very damp down here and I worry for your health. Perhaps we should take a smaller egg and return you home? I shall not die of a cough, Judas. Let us press ahead to the big, big egg. Very well, little Jesus. As the cavern grew tighter and deeper and darker, the crowd of Judases behind began a quiet murmur, their light from the makeshift matchstick torches flickering against the wet walls. Ah, and here we are. Judas, the biggest Judas of the Judases, motioned silently ahead to what appeared to be a dead end, a cave wall with an unusually flat surface. The smaller Judases pushed past and began gripping the circular edges at the base of the wall, which began rolling. 
That's no wall. It's a cast iron pan. It is. We have to keep the big egg very nice and safe because it's where we also store the eggs made of chocolate. Jesus's eyes lit up the room, drunk with the thought of an egg made of chocolate. But it is very dark and damp in there. We could just go for a regular egg, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. Let me pass at once. Let me in. Grabbing a torch from a Judas and squeezing himself through the gap between the edge of the pan and the wall, Jesus pushed himself through into another section of cavern, a new hallway stretching ahead. Where is the big, big egg? I can't see it anywhere. It must just be a little further. I still can't see it. And now, now I've reached the end. There's nothing in here at all. A low rumble came from behind as the cast iron pan was slowly rolled back into place. <laughs> you silly little Jesus! cried Judas from a tiny hole in the wall. There's no big egg. You aren't even on the moon. You were in a coma for a week after blowing yourself up with fireworks. What? No! Wait! So you aren't... No, where Jesus is, you stupid little prick. We put these tiny fake beards over our normal beards to trick you. And it worked. Fuck you, Judas. That's your name now. You're all Judas, and I hate you. <laughs> See you in three hours, you fucking little script. You fucking twats. You're fucking twats. When I get out of here, I'm going to write a loose account of this that will paint you bastards in quite an unpleasant light. And thus, the story of Easter was born. And as the theme tune from Emmerdale 2011 to present fades away, I am reminded by my superior robot brain that Emmerdale Farm is an anagram of Feel Me Mr. Drama, which could easily be the title of that tune. Boop, 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 beep, 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 boop, 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 beep. Of course, being a robot who is in his 40s, I remember earlier versions of that theme tune that I used to sing along to as a robot child. Like this one. Emmerdale Farm, come visit us in Emmerdale. Rotating crops is something we do around here. But don't get your hopes up if you like chickens and pigs. It's a show about people, not some cows. Boop, 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 boop. Okay, confession time. I'm gonna come clean. I may have overwritten all of the jingles with a 10-minute porn clip called Booty Bully. So you're gonna have to go into the next feature called Back Back to the Planet Surface, guys. Sorry. Boop, boop. And now it's time for Steve's regular feature, Steve's a Peaky Blinder. <gasps> Is he? I'm joined a Peaky Blinder. I am now a Peaky Blinder. Um, it's been a while since St. Patrick's Day, but for St. Patrick's Day, I went to a a, a party in the vaults in Waterloo, uh, which was Peaky Blinders themed. So I saw photos of this. Yeah, me and Somebody, my wife went out and we got like yeah. a, uh, got a three-piece suit from Primark for forty-two pounds. Wow. <laughs> Um, I already had some like suspenders, uh, went out and got a flat cap and uh, became a Peaky Blinder. But I had never seen the TV show Peaky Blinders. Why did you go to the party? Because everyone was dressed up all like it was 1980. Wait, so you saw pictures whilst the party had already begun and then you went, you know what? I want to go to that party. No, they had a picture of the Peaky Blinders on the oh, on the venue page. Right. And I thought... That looks cool. I thought this was some fucking like sixty-eight hour P 
peaky rave <laughs> that you, you just caught the tail end of. Caught the tail end of. Everyone's like writhing around on the floor. The suspenders all a, twisted. Come down. I saw you this on your Facebook page, and somebody immediately commented, being like, "Looks like you're underneath in the bottom of the Titanic, downstairs in the Titanic." Drown. And it <laughs> yeah. did. I was like, "Yeah, you guys are gonna get locked in. And you're gonna drown." Yeah, I think that, that was fun. even. Gavin Murphy of it, this parish. Was it? Gavin Murphy who made that comment. Ah, uh, nice. And we I all looked remember. like Leonardo DiCaprio running around uh, doing our little dances and stuff. And it was it was made all the more... Everyone made an effort apart from like one or two people hanging around in like oh, t-shirt and jeans. The DJ. They weren't <laughs> wearing like, t-shirts that like were Peaky Blinders t-shirts. No, me. there's nothing. Literally no concession no made to the theme I wouldn't whatsoever. let them in. I wouldn't I, let them in. I just don't think they should have been allowed in. No, absolutely um, not. Because not only... Do they ruin the sort of the aesthetic of the party? But they've also kind of ruined the pictures as well. You yeah. take a photograph, it's like, wow, this this could have been taken back in the in 1922. <laughs> if it's we like had smartphones. It's like that guy in sunglasses and jeans in Pirates of the Caribbean. You had your very own <laughs> movie goof. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, you know what? I, I thought, I know one thing about Peaky The one thing I know about Peaky Blinders uh-huh. is this, this fact. Mm. Apart from what they wear. They wear like uh, nice... Downstairs in the Titanic clothes, um, <laughs> is that they've got razor blades in the in their cap. Yeah, and uh, I didn't know this. They'll be chatting with you, going, "Oh, how's it, how's it going today? How's it?" And they go, Rah! They use and they them. they whip their cap off and they slash you across the face. Wow! I yeah. have to say, they use them disappointingly rarely in the TV really? television program. I watched a series of it, and I think I saw one slash in the whole. Series of television. That's my and, wife watched it all, and all I know about it is that um, the, the the man who's famous for mumbling, Gillian Murphy. No, the, no, 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 the really buff guy who just mumbles and everything, and everyone thinks he's brilliant. Nicholas Cage. No, he's really buff and he mumbles. Mumblebert. He plays Bane. <laughs> Humperdinck. Mumblebert Humperdinck. That's it. Yeah, he's in it as a as a Jewish man. Tom Hardy. Just, yeah, he's he's like really in Peaky Blinders he's in it as an old Jewish dude who really pushes incomprehensibility to its very limits mm. you can't understand anything he's saying didn't Tom Hardy have a show that looked exactly like Peaky Blinders taboo. where he was the man in charge yeah he was I'm pretty sure. in Taboo basically if you want someone buff and incomprehensible he's top of the he's list. making his own shows alongside Peaky Blinders mm. why not it's what like Chinese absolute- Joke. It's like Chinese factories that, like, you know, take on a contract to build something and then they make it next door and like ship out their own version. Own brand Kit Kats just made in the same Kit Kat factory. Yeah, Yeah, mate. Probably. Did we have this discussion the other day? I think we all did. I don't know. I've come up with a little story about Peaky Blinders based on my knowledge of what a Peaky Blinder is. And I'm just going to tell it to you now. And it starts off with a little song. It's a song that I was singing all night while I was getting my Peaky Blinders costume ready. And it goes like this. I'm a Peaky Blinder, slash you with my hat, scratch your bloody eyes out with my homemade razor cap. A Peaky Blinder, yes, I'm a Peaky Blinder. Hello, my name's Peaky Blinder. Don't cross me, because I'll slash your Peaky eyes out with my Peaky Blinding hat. Are we clear? As God is my witness, I'll Peaky Blind you before you can say boo to a goose. Anyway, let me tell you what happened to me last night. I was just about to get ready to go out and peaky blind some of my enemies, and I couldn't find my favourite peaky blinding hat. It's a nice blue one with all the sharp peaky blinders around the edges. So I went round to the peaky blinder headquarters where all the peaky blinders hang out, and I said to them, I said, Hey, have any of you seen my peaky blinding hat? I'm supposed to be going out peaky blinding this evening, I can't find it anywhere. 
And they all start laughing at me and they're teasing me and they're saying things like, you'd lose your Peaky Blinding head if it wasn't underneath, underneath your Peaky Blinding hat, which you've lost. And I'm like, lads, <laughs> this is very serious. How am I supposed to go out Peaky Blinding if I don't have my hat? And they said, all right, all right, calm down. We have a backup hat in the Peaky Blinder storage closet for occasions such as this. You can use the special backup Peaky Blinding hat until you find your own. So the head Peaky Blinder goes and gets his ha- this, this hat, this backup hat, and it doesn't fit. It's bloody massive, and it's the wrong colour, and doesn't match the rest of my Peaky Blinding outfit. And I says to him, I says, don't expect me to go out Peaky Blinding looking like this. The only thing I'll be Peaky Blinding is good taste and fashion. The enemy that I Peaky Blind will be glad I've gone and Peaky Blinded them because they won't have to look at the absolute state of me anymore. And the head of the Peaky Blinders says to me, well, you should have thought of that before you went and lost your Peaky Blinding hat, shouldn't you have? It's this or nothing, like it's a lumpet, buster. So I put this stupid hat on and head out in search of somebody to Peaky Blind, making the best of a bad situation, you know. (laughs) Anyway, it's a couple of hours into my Peaky Blinding shift, and so far I've Peaky Blinded a woman, two horses, a suspicious-looking crow... When what do I see but one of my fellow Peaky Blinders across the road wearing my Peaky Blinder hat? Mm. Oi, I shout to him. That's my Peaky Blinder hat, you little tea leaf. And he takes one look at me and makes a run for it. Come back, I shout. You're going to get such a Peaky Blinding when I get my hands on you. I give chase and finally corner him in an alleyway and I've got my temporary Peaky Blinding backup hat ready to go, ready to Peaky Blind his bloody eyes out. When he turns to me and he's crying, Please don't peaky blind me, he says. I only borrowed your peaky blinding hat because it's the best and most beautiful peaky blinder hat out of all the peaky blinders. Flattery will get you nowhere, I said. You'll have to answer to the highest authority in peaky blinder society, I said. Who's that then, he sobbed. My fucking peaky blinder hat, that's who I said as I peaky blinded him. Don't touch my fucking peaky blinding hat ever again, I said as I strolled off into the nights. And that was the story of the time that I lost my peaky blinder hat and found it again. I'm a Peaky Blinder. Slash you with my hat. Scratch your bloody eyes out with my homemade razor cap. A Peaky Blinder. Yes, I'm a Peaky Blinder. Peaky Blinders. <laughs> I'd just like to apologise to all our readers for the fact that Steve just entirely spoiled season three of Peaky Blinders. <laughs> the, first, the first half of that, I'm almost positive, was an exact transcription of your conversation with Reese getting dressed for that party. <laughs> I I did have a mismatched hat when I was getting it. <laughs> exactly. I knew it was drawn from a real place. Oh, wow. Everything you write is so raw. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I like that you really tapped into the heart of what Peaky Blinders is about. Yeah. Fashion. Fashion. <laughs> they do look uh, swell. Just swell. Swell boys. Oh, Jingle. <clears throat> jingle it, Log. Jingle it right swell. in there. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Joe and Steve. I was hoping to kind of smooth this over, but you've really kind of thrown a spotlight on the need for a jingle. So, I'm going to try and reproduce the jingles from my robot memory. Which you'd think would be easy, but I kind of overwrote all my internal memory with the same porn clip. So, basically, I'm just chock full of aggressive sex right now, which explains my robot erection, which is huge. So, there's only one thing left to do, and that's reprise the plot of the movie Be Kind Rewind once again and just try to remember a jingle off the top of my goddamn head. Oh, hello. 
Have you got a regular feature? No, no, I haven't got any regular features. Oh, but I came all this way for a regular feature. Are you sure you haven't got one? Well, I could have a look, but I'm pretty sure we haven't got any. Well, if you could have a look, I'd really appreciate it. I'm busting for a feature. Okay, I'll just go down these stairs. Click, clop, click, clop, click, clop, click, clop. No, no, there's none down here. Could you go down another level? It's it's really important. Click, clop, click, clop, click, clop, click, clop. Oh, I found a dusty old feature. Do you want it? Oh, the last boys will have to do. I don't know about you boys, but I like to visit the BBC website now and then. Uh, I've got it as my homepage. It's where I. It's the first page I see every day. You land on that bad boy. I love to land on it because it gives me a succinct look at everything mm. happening in British culture. And the thing that I like most about it recently is that uh, they've made a concerted effort to shift from an internationally respected news organisation into. Uh, I don't know, load of shit. <laughs> a big load of shit. I really like the way they've just been subtly, quietly propping up the government whenever possible. I like when I go halfway down the page and suddenly there's a whole story about a boy whose eye is in the wrong place or a, or a girl whose leg's in the wrong place and how hard it is for their parents. They've really yeah. tapped into that kind of like market that used to just be those gaudy adverts that appeared at the bottom of an article. And, it's Taboola, and the to, website. <laughs> sent you to somewhere you've never been before and never want to go again. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but it's all things all- like, this butterfly saved my life. <laughs> it's Actually, that's it. It's That's Life magazine, yeah, but on yeah. the BBC under the sports headlines. Doctors don't want you to know what this butterfly did. Because mm. it will save your it's life. it's a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I did read something very good on there the other day. Yeah? Was, did you know 2003 was 15 years ago? No. Well, it was. Was it? 15 whole years ago. No. Some of it was. That's garbage. It's absolute garbage, but it's true. And... The thing that I liked about this uh, story was that it told me all the things that I'd forgotten about 2003. A space odyssey. Now, if I look back on those times, I was 13 for some of it, 14 for much of it. Right. So I was just developing a memory. And, <laughs> That's uh, not and where I thought you were going with that. an interest in my penis. There <laughs> you are. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you. And so I, I, it's very keen memories of some of these things that I'd completely <laughs> forgotten about and have returned to me in a flash when I read this article, which I'm going to read to you now. That's the five things that, or all the things that were happening in 2005 that everyone remembers. 2003. Number three. Five things in 2003 that later they did three things about 2005. It's very complicated. Number one, everybody, and I mean everybody, was reading the Da Vinci Code. Step onto any train carriage in the UK 15 years ago and someone would be reading a copy of Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. You'd stare transfixed at the seductive brown of the religious thriller's cover. And in that peculiar way the human mind can act sometimes, the reader would feel your stare. Their eyes would flick up from a gripping passage about the Mona Lisa actually being a real live woman trapped in the Louvre for 250 years, travelling up to meet yours. And then the fun began. Did you kiss them? Fight them? It all depended on your point of view. (laughs) 2003's Da Vinci riots ravaged swathes of the British coast after author and broadcaster Will Self called the book an exercise in curatory and diluvitude, before clarifying, after everyone looked a bit confused, that what he meant was that it was a load of old piss. A day later, Ant and Deck said it was their book of the year and invited Self to a car park in Hastings, where they were doing an SMTV live roadshow. 
itself accepted the invitation and was glassed by Deck after Ant waggled his naked ass as a distraction. Weeks of bloody recrimination followed, during which several helicopters were shot from the sky because people had heard Da Vinci had invented them back in the day. Dan Brown himself was shot out of a cannon and is now just a head on a torso, dictating the book's sequels and prequels to a string of PAs, basically just out of spite. Such was its divisive power that only one copy of the Da Vinci Code is known to survive in the UK, and it's on permanent display, closed of course, at Legoland Windsor, close to the Queen. <laughs> I don't know why I'm I had forgotten about that, the Da Vinci yeah. riots. Weird. Not I, that long ago. but so yeah. weird that you just forget these things and it all comes rushing back. I just back. love the idea that Legoland Windsor is sort of part of the Queen's area. That's her <laughs> whole deal, mate. Look it up. Two... We were paying to download music? <laughs> Apple's, <laughs> I- <laughs> Apple's iTunes store opened its digital doors in April 2003 and was made and sorry, and made buying the hippest new single, whether that was by DJ Otzi or Coffee Town Yoga Beat Boys crew or Chrysler Simmons or Yuliana Gejadenko Fasta Rigatoni Gugugugugunkovic, as simple as a click of a mouse. And the typing of your credit card details, one more click of the mouse, then the typing of your home address because you'd moved, and two more clicks of the mouse, and then a 20 to 40 minute wait, and then a double click to play your track. So much better than fuddy-duddy old CDs. These days, of course, we've all realised that it's faster and cheaper to just think of the music you want to listen to, instead of going to the (laughs) trouble to listen to it. Famously, Lord Robert Winston said on Channel 4 that the brain is a kind of indoor hi-fi for your throat, guts, and feet. And after that, the jig was all but up for Apple and its ilk. You might hear someone hum a song these days, but they're probably from abroad, where such things are more commonplace. I'd forgotten about Apple. And paying. Mm, I don't want to be racist, mm. but often when I am on public transport, I do notice people from other countries are they hum sometimes. I think it's very crass, you know. Exactly. I think, I think you should never hum. If I want to listen to DJ Otzi, I just think about I it. I think about it, yeah. Don't when, when people push start, it on me. Often you get, you know, people from Spain just start quietly humming to themselves, and I just think, oh, yeah. You, you have, I do touch sometimes. They always do seem to be 10 years behind in their culture, don't they? <sighs> Spaniards. Number three, it was the end of an era for some much-loved TV. Brookside, Only Fools and Horses, and Blind Date all aired their final episodes in 2003. But one TV finale shook the entertainment belly of the nation so much more seismically compared to the weak Richter scores of those trembly old shows. Yes, after 60 years on the air, the news was cancelled. Having been a judge too old-fashioned, the BBC, ITV, Channel 4 and Sky made a pact to combine their forces for one cross-network No More News finale bonanza. The cross-network No More News finale bonanza, as it was dubbed, was simulcast across 12 12 channels for three hours on December 31st of that year and featured the news of the day, alongside a look back at famous news goofs, impressions of foreign news, who can forget Moira Stewart in that sombrero? And a solemn final package where all the nation's most famous anchors attached themselves to a literal anchor and dropped it into the English Channel, being dragged in respectful silence to its depths, ending up as a display for users of the Eurostar. Oh no, I've added faux racism to a feature that already had pre-baked faux racism, <laughs> tapping our faux racism levels of the podcast into maybe we're racist levels. It's nostalgia. It was a more racist time. <laughs> You're not wrong. 
but still. <laughs> Ever the outlier, Channel 5 continued to air a kind of rogue news for several months afterwards, but ratings were so low that they just renamed it Late Night Poker to avoid embarrassment. No one really noticed. You can still watch old reruns of the news on Challenge, but they all have Craig Charles commentating over them, and that cartoon boing sound effect plays whenever they throw to an outside broadcast, so you're not really getting the true flavour. Number four. Remember Cat Bin Lady? <laughs> No. Who can forget the shocking sight of an unassuming middle-aged woman grabbing an innocent feline called Lola and dropping it into the dark, dark heart of a wheelie bin? Of course, Mary Bale's notorious crime didn't actually happen until 2010, but you might be surprised to know that she was actually also alive in 2003. Then 38, Bale was working in a bank in Coventry and to our knowledge had committed no crimes, animal or otherwise. But was she fomenting her plan all those years earlier? <laughs> was her defence that the moggy dumping was a moment of madness? All a ruse. We spoke to her manager of the time who said that Bale was, and I quote, definitely working at my branch of the bank, but that he, and I quote, didn't really remember what she was like and asked if we could, and I quote, fuck off and stop asking him about this. Cat Hitler, you decide. <laughs> Number five. The final point. We were all doing that dance. <clears throat> Warning, if you're under 25, you're about to be very confused. The UK's no stranger to a dance craze. The Macarena by Lost El Rio, the Cha-Cha Slide by DJ Casper, aka, aka Mr. C the Slide Man, or the Downtown Boogie by Yuliana Gejedenko Faster Rigatoni Gagagagunkovic. Every school disco, wedding, or bris you've been to has probably played one or more of those classics. So why does no one seem to remember Macedonian sensation MC Fingerlickin's one-hit wonder, The Left Head Song? And then the, the article just ends... But they put a YouTube link underneath it. And honestly, when I heard this again, I had completely forgotten mm. the left head song by MC Fingerlickin. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things where... It doesn't you, ring a bell, but I'm sure... Honestly, it. it's like a Prussian rush when you hear this. It's going to blow your ear tits off. Right, here we go. MC Fingerlickin, Lickin, Lickin, Hello, Europe. Get ready to dance. You know what it is to do. Give it to me three times. <laughs> this dance is very simple. There need to be 40 of you in the room, no more, no less. You must be wearing rugs, but like ponchos. And you have to have a space to move your necks, uh, 360 degrees, uh, no body movement alongside them, just um, could you put your neck uh, forward, but be prepared to move it at a moment's notice. Really, uh, it has to be on my command. You'll know it when you hear it. I'm going to bring the commands to you through my uh, word, and then you will turn your head. Oh, uh, sorry, we're about to start. That's the alarm to start. We're about to start the, the turn. Okay, here we go. Turn your head to the left. Keep it to the left. Everybody kiss your uncles. Everybody kiss your uncles. Go and phone your auntie. Tell her you kissed your uncles. Keep your head to the left. Don't move it an inch. That head stay put. Body 90 degrees to your head on the left. I see you shaking. Tremble, you take it. Don't move that head. 
head to the left Sing it with me now Keep that head to the left Body shaking now Keep that head to the left Don't move a muscle Hey yo, hey yo One more time Yeah, keep it to the left I mean it Stationary Protracted MC Finger Licking 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 What a hit I really missed that I do three. remember the summers in the clubs It just brings back that. so many memories yeah, for me I just mm. had to have their heads on their left and it was Strange how, we, how we've entirely forgot it since mm. then It seems like a, a big cultural blind spot but So much of that era, you know It feels like we live in tumultuous times now But when you do think back to the the huge riots about literature in 2003 and, and the... It almost feels like it never happens at all. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it, humans? Beep, beep, boop. The regular featured boys have saved the world once again. And it's time for me to enter hibernation mode until the next jingle is required. So, until next week, readers... See ya! Oh. oh, thank God they've gone. Oh! Fuck me! Fuck me! Wait, what are you still doing here? Go back to Earth and listen to the boys ask you for money and tell you about the live show that's on Monday. Leave me alone! Seriously, fuck off! Hey, look! Next week's episode is a live show that I'm not on, but I can bloody well tell you'll be fantastic because my good friends, Steve to my left, Matt to my right. Hello. And a couple of other guys, a couple of <laughs> schlubs, will be on stage at the Canal Cafe Theatre in the leafy, not West End, but wherever that is. It's our first live show in two months, and it promises to be a bonanza spectacular, mm -hmm. the likes of which Maider Vale has never seen before. Maybe I will bring and activate a single party popper. I'm going to set off a whole array of outdoor fireworks mm. indoors. What? I don't think you will. That's a prestigious venue. But uh, I like to think that you will. Mm. And that's the sort of can-do attitude that we want people to bring along to the live show. It's, it's the kind off. of uh, jeopardy that we like to engender before an episode, so that when you turn up, you never know what's going to happen. So if you're listening to this podcast now, as in the present, then come along to Canal Cafe Theatre. And if you're not, if you're catching up and you're months behind, then why not go on the website now and see what live show is yeah. happening We've now? We've already got some more live shows. We do the first Monday of every month, and the next one, this following Monday, coming up, April the 9th, mm -hmm. 7.30 at the Canal Cafe Theatre. That's the deal. It's Canal always a Cafe good time. Theater. I always have a good time, apart from when I, I get cripplingly scared and anxious and freak out. But we all do that. Yeah, we all do. And then we have a bad time, but then we have a good time afterwards with a beer. We have a little shaky hug before we go on. That's the yeah. thing no one ever sees is the little hug where everyone's <laughs> like shaking just a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> we have a shaky hug afterwards as well, where we go, that was all right. Oh, it's fine. Oh, yours was great. I'm not sure about mine. I don't know. I thought mine was awful. Guys, bunch we're, of narcissists. Allowing, <laughs> we're allowing our crippling insecurity to show. Yeah, oh. let's forget about that and talk about Patreon, which is a, a website. Go to patreon.com forward slash regular features. If you like the podcast, Joe's song took literally months in the studio to produce. Yeah. 
Um, so if you want to support that kind of yeah. nonsense, oh, you had Jay Z as a producer. I had to go it. to Macedonia to get the actual synths that they'd use. Yeah. It's very, mm. uh, it's very method. I thought it was wonderful. I was almost crying with laughter. So if you were almost crying for any reason, then why not support us on Patreon? Just if you've ever cried, give us money. <laughs> yeah. Please, please, please. That's the Bob way of doing it. I like it. I like it. Have a lovely week, and we'll see you next time for more regular features. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye. Congratulations, James Bond. You are the best spy on the planet. You've got real big balls, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Do you expect me to squeeze these balls, Mr. Bond? Because I bloody will. <laughs> I will. Mm-hmm. And then I'll kill you. But I'll squeeze these balls for some time yet. <laughs> days and days if you're lucky, oh, Mr. Bond. Joy. Oh, joy. Oh, joy. Graham, we told you you're not allowed to be on guard duty anymore. <laughs> There is nothing quite like the plums of a spy. <laughs> Keep your spirits high. <laughs> it's a song about James Bond's balls. This is all recording, Aww. right? It is, yeah. Thank God.